And there would be times where I'd be performing a song, look down, look back up, and I'm seeing people like wiping tears out of their eyes. Wow. Or, you know, and then that's that's what that very moment I knew was like you're you're spitting out and you're just you're you're letting out a energy, a form of energy, um, through sound waves mm-hmm. and words, and it's affecting the 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 mess. So I, and, and and that was then like okay, music is a powerful tool. This is Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, with Whitney Ann Jenkins. Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, where I bring on guests and we talk about the inner authentic voice and the challenges and the rewards that come from following it. This week I have with me Kajad. Alobeo, who is an international performer and songwriter and recording artist. He was born in Congo and came to the U.S. when he was nine. He grew up in Philadelphia, which influenced his roots in hip-hop, where he gained success locally, which also prompted him to tour all over the world, including Tokyo, Amsterdam, and Germany. Gajad has a gift of connecting deeply with the words and the music that he shares and creates, and also keeping a connection to his roots in the Congo. I met him as a co-worker, and we shared an office, and we would always have deep conversations and solve all the world's problems. So it seems really natural to have Kajad on here. He's a father, one of the most genuine people that I know, and constantly searching for ways to remain authentic and also make waves and have an effect within the culture and society. And so I'm really excited to introduce you to Kajad. Hey, how you doing with me? How are you? Good, I'm good. Hey. It's been so long. Years. Man, it's been how how long exactly can you say? Three, four, three? I want to say at least three. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to see you. So what have you been doing in Philly? Well, I've been back here, one, you know, of course, with family since the, uh, the pandemic hit really hard. I was back here with my kid, you know, with... Um, school being virtual so i've been yeah. spending time with family at the time and uh kind of adapting to that and then you know been getting involved in some uh real estate business work down here and nice at the same time working on uh working on the project that's awesome yeah so philly 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 gives a nice little uh base for for that yeah are you working on music stuff yeah i'm doing a whole lot of music stuff up here in philadelphia but um I'm actually gonna be relocating back to Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, because of the music on side of things. So it's going yeah. well. Sounds like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I just started working with a, with a new team of people down there, and uh, everything's been going pretty well. So 2021, we should be kicking it off real good. Nice sharing an office with you kind of very past life it now feels like um, yeah. I think we got in some pretty in depth conversations. Yes. Yeah. So. I knew you would be a good candidate for this. Yes, congratulations on the podcast, by the way. I'm really happy to be here. Well, thank you for joining me. I'm glad to have you here. So one of the first things that I ask my guests is, when did you first recognize that you had a voice of your own that wasn't influenced by others? Hmm. I would say I would say I had it early, but I didn't tap into it. I, I felt it at a young age, I would say probably in like uh, middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was 
I had an inner voice that I knew was there, would, would speak to me, but then I didn't really tap into that probably till like towards the end of high school. Okay. And you were born in not the U.S., right? No, I wasn't born in the U.S. I was born in the Congo in Central Africa. Uh, I came to the U.S. when I was about nine years old. Wow. Okay. So what was that difference like for you? Do you remember, did you have any expectations uh, or any impressions of America before you got here? Um, well, what, what we saw on TV, you know, uh, all, the, all the good stuff that they show us. And we wanted to get there. I wanted to have fries and <laughs> and, and just drink an orange soda, you know, and things like that. We saw in Fanta commercials and things like that. But it was uh, it was exactly what I what I expected it to be when I got here. Really? Yeah. yeah. They they did they did a good job at that. Now there were some things that, of course, as you get to explore wherever you are, you find out and you learn more, and you know it can change your perspective of what you thought it was going to be to what it actually is. Right. And so, did you speak? English when you moved here? No, I um, I was speaking my native tongue and two other languages. I did. I actually didn't. I wasn't interested in learning English because that you know I'm eight nine years old. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to pick up another language. And then it's like, who am I going to speak my my native tongue to other than my siblings? So I um, I learned English through through at rap music. Like I just started listening to hip hop and would play some songs that I liked and written them down on paper and rehearse them to myself. And I picked it up really quick from there. Yeah. Who introduced you to that music? Uh, It would would just be the neighborhood. Like it would be cookouts and I would hear it. And then I would ask somebody who that was. And whenever it comes on on the radio again, I would get a tape player and and record and play button and pause button how we had back in the day um, to go ahead and record it and go ahead and write it on a piece of paper and kind of go from there wow and so at what age do you feel like you had a real handle on the language i would say like um like 10 11 i i I, by 10 10 years old i was always pretty sure it only took you like a year wow yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was real quick i'm I'm a fast learner i so real quick seems like that okay so when and how you're, I mean, you're you're very good with words and spinning them in in what you do with your music, and they come from a very authentic place. So when mm-hmm. when did you learn to take your inner voice and turn it into words? Mm. Um, probably high school. In my in my high school uh, age, I would then learn to like express them, and and we would what we do is freestyle where it comes off of the top of your head and you're just saying what comes to you first mm-hmm. it hits you and you're letting them out. You're letting them out. And then next thing you know, you have this story or this idea. And then now you organize it again in your head and you let them out. And you now have an entire verse of something you've written out that came from the inside. Yeah. Uh, and where, like, if you could explain how that came to you, like what inspired those words? Um, it, it started off like just poetry, just uh, things that I would personally go through um, at a young age, trying to fit in in, in a new side of the world and um, also embracing new cultures and then learning to express them that way. So I would be around my brothers and he would always just put an instrumental on and I would just say words over instrumentals, whether they made sense or not. It was just whatever came to me first. Mm hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it and, was kind of like a flow. Yeah, exactly. It just started flowing right through me that way. And, and I knew then there was something like deeper. Yeah. Where did that flow come from? Like, was there something that you were able to tap into that did it come from somewhere else? It, it was something that, it, you know, it's like, it's like a spiritual thing that hits you sometimes when, when you're in the studio mm-hmm. nowadays. Um, and I'm able to do that now because I've, I've done it for so long. But when, I, when, it, when it first happened, I couldn't understand it. I just knew what happened. And it, yeah. it, it came out of nowhere. The lights got dim and, you know, I would pace back and forth or snap my fingers. I'm always moving around yeah. when my brain's moving. And when I learned to just calm down and, and, and let it happen, it happened. Were, was your family and your parents, were they encouraging of this? No, they, I would have to sneak and do it. I remember my mom, when they would clean up, they would throw away these. They, they didn't encourage it. They weren't really um, hip to it, especially coming from, from you You were just going to be a doctor or a lawyer or or, or, or or something in that in that realm. They, they didn't worry. They, anybody tapping into their creative side later on down the years, like when other people would say, man, have you heard your son do this? Or I paid it. And it's like, well, what do you let me see what's going on here. And, and, and now, the support, now the support and the encouragement is there. But at, at first, no, not at all. Okay. So when did you when did you have an understanding that the words that you were saying were powerful and had the ability to affect people? Let's say when I did my first big show in um, Philly, it was at Signal Sound and Entertainment Center downtown Philly. And... I then went from recording music to performing them live. Um, and performing them live, you're able to see and feel the reaction, the energy in the room, and see how people are reacting to it at that very moment. And there would be times where I'd be performing a song, look down, look back up, and I'm seeing people like wiping tears out of their eyes. Wow. Or, you know, and then that's, that's what that very moment I knew was like you're, you're spitting out and you're, 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 you're letting out a, energy a form of energy um through sound waves mm-hmm. and words and it's affecting the 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 mess so I, and, and and that was then like okay music is a powerful tool because because we do that now we we have certain songs for certain emotions in our body and right. certain playlists if we want to go and have sex there's a you have a music for that if you want to go to the gym and work out you got a playlist for that if, if you're down in the dumps there's a certain songs that cater to those emotions and it's it's just a powerful thing to have to be able to do that yeah and it's even more powerful when you understand that you are able to do that at what age would you say you were when you discovered that um in my in my early or well, late teens early 20s okay and so did your parents eventually come around or did you did you have a support system around you encouraging you? Yeah, I had support. My brothers, you know, I'm I'm one of five all the ways. And so they were they were always around. Then I had friends and other people that would push for that. And I saw how much they believed in that craft mm-hmm. for me to not be able to let anybody else down, you know, um, in that way. And and then my parents finally came along when I had brought them out to a show that I did and put my mom in the front row and she was able to see for herself. And I think after that point, it was like, wow. Yeah. 
She saw it with her own eyes. Yeah, she saw it with her own eyes. She felt it. She was there and she got a chance to be in it, you know, um, being part of the experience. What were the events that made you realize that you were going to do music for a career? Um, it was after you you do you do one big show, then you feel like, OK, this is other people are believing in it. Like there was there was one time we did a concert. And it got real for me then where it was like, all right, we were locally just promoting a concert. And one, one you're doing, this is, I already knew I was going to do it for real, but when this particular day happened, it hit me differently. Um, it was, it was, it was in the December and Kanye West was also having a concert down the street. So people are looking for things to do that evening where we, we were afraid, like, ah, oh, man, it's, we're not going to have no ticket sales or anything like that. And I looked out the window during showtime and there was a line of people outside, women in heels, and it's snowing outside, waiting to get in. When I saw that and it was like people actually invested in that all the way there. And, you know, to that point when you're just a local artist trying to build in your own city, in your community, mm-hmm. um, it was like, OK, this is this is for real. If you can build here in your community, the rest of the world it can also build off of this. All it takes is a seed. But prior to that, it was just life experiences from coming from my country to America. If you if you just research on the Congo, out of all the countries in Africa, we're known for our music and dance. Mm-hmm. You know, um, from from different tribes, the women, the men, and that's one thing we're really known for. So it's also kind of like embedded in my DNA. Yeah. To do. And it seems that you also keep a connection to that culture in the music that you do now? Yes. Yeah, very, very much so. I try to always embrace that. And it, it took a while to get there where I kind of, because I'm I'm very much Congolese and I'm also very much American. I grew up here. Mm-hmm. So it's it's being able to try to juggle both cultures in, in, in one form of uh, project to some sense. Yeah, and, and you traveled, you went on tour to different countries with your music, right? Yes, I did. I remember my, my first international show was in Tokyo. We did Tokyo, uh, Amsterdam, uh, Germany. But Tokyo was a, was a was an amazing experience. What was that like for you to be in other countries and, and sharing your music and having people respond to it? Man, it, it honestly, going back to like how words are powerful, it just goes back to that when you're able to go perform in another country where they don't even understand your language, but they're able to connect with it, you know, and, and vice versa. We went, I was at a show, I was the only uh, uh, English-speaking American performing. Everybody else was Japanese wow. on the bill. And somehow, some way, we all, it just, to me, it was brand new to see that a different culture could connect with the music, mm-hmm. even if they don't understand what you're saying but they feel the energy from it, you know, whether it's the beat or the production and they're moving from that. And mm-hmm. that, that gave me a whole nother experience of, of music. And then you also tap into different kinds of sounds around the world right. and you take that with you and you're like, okay, this is, this is the kind of music they play at these clubs or this is the kind of music I see outside being played on the radios or this is what they, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good, Thing to, to do that and I do encourage other artists to just travel outside of their circle and see what's out there it'll just help you become a stronger better artist and appreciate music even more yeah definitely have you gone back to Congo to perform for them since you've left? that's 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 my dream 
<laughs> no, that's my dream to go back to, now as an adult and do a show in my city in Kinshasa, go back home and and be able to give that back. Like that that is something on my uh on my bucket list. Have you been back since you came to America the first time? No. No, we came in in, in 94, so, you know, they had the genocide going on. It wasn't safe for a few years. Then the, uh, you know, being able to finally get your citizenship, and now you're able to travel abroad. So now now is my turn, so I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, if you could describe what it feels like to be there in words, since, like, I have no idea what it's like to be there. Yeah. yeah. Do you have an, a way to describe that? It's, I would say it's a sense of freedom that it's it's weird to explain because you're, you're I'm also saying it from the age of an eight-year-old. Right. But it's, there was this sense of freedom where you just was able to go out and enjoy, I guess, the earth in, in a different way where you didn't have too much to worry about, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it was just a lot of happiness, I, I can remember in that sense. But I, I also can remember where things need to change, you know? And I was young enough to understand and old enough at the same time to see what, what was happening and yeah. things needed some change. And we knew what was going on in other parts of the country where it wasn't safe and how other little boys your age or are getting turned into 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 boy and you know child soldiers and, and rebels and x y and z and we we know what's going on around us but you know when we were at the time it was it was just a sense of happiness but also another sense of awareness mm-hmm. were you raised with any kind of religious or spiritual influences my parents my parents raised me christian at that age but I had grandparents and other parents who practiced, tra- uh, you know, traditional spiritual practices, mm-hmm. or who under understood it and explained it to us. So there was a uh, a juggle of both yeah. there, um, and then coming to America, it was just more so private. Go to try to get you in a private school, and if not that, you know, church on Sundays. And once I got a lot older, you know, you start to understand things a little bit differently to kind of make your own decisions. Yeah, you said that you felt it was like almost kind of like a spiritual experience in the recording studio for you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel yeah. do you feel connected to your ancestors and their traditional spiritual influences when you're in the recording studio somehow? Is that linked? I I feel like there is that that is definitely what what happens. Um there's certain songs where I'll just sit back and you have writer's block and you can't think of anything. But after a few minutes, like the, the beauty of meditation, and I'm just learning a lot of mm-hmm. like how to really practice that. But when you like shut your body down and just let like your spirit take control of a lot of things, you'll 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 tap into that. And I do feel that in a few records, you can even hear me. Um, for example, like. If I get if I get into the studio, I have my producer pay me, play me a beat that I hear. Automatically, I may like it, but if my spirit doesn't connect with it, I won't be able to write to it. Then there's a there's another beat that they'll play, but my spirit connects to it, and I'll get in there and I'll mumble a bunch of whatever just comes out of my body. Mm. We'll go back and we'll listen to it, and I can hear clearly what I'm trying to say in those mumbles, and then I'll rewrite it in exactly what I heard, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we were able to lay out. 
And that's when it was like, okay, that was my uh, another sense of spirit talking to me in that way and breaking it down yeah. and creating. How do you maintain your authenticity within the music business? Because I know there's many uh, different layers within that. Have you encountered any challenges? Yeah, there's it's, it's tricky in this business where when when you have the music side of things and you have the business side of things and with the business side of things, it can get tricky where, you know, people that want to work with you, they want you to look a certain way and sound a certain way and dress a certain way. And, and then it's not you anymore. And you now just become a puppet or you become a product, just a product that they just moved and rebrand and shape and this and that. When it's, when you will still want to remain authentic, I think it's like, remembering what you're doing this for right and and that right there should keep any or should keep anybody humble enough to just keep walking their path and be them and find creative ways to um brand yourself in a sense where you're also maximizing on on the business side of things Mm -hmm. but to stay creative and to stay authentic I don't think there's many of those, but to the, the the ones that are out there in the industry, I, I know it's tough, but because it's tough, there's there's art in it, there's beauty in it. Yeah. Well, I, I think that it comes through in your music. I, I love the album that you put out in 2018. Thank you. Yeah. And what was the inspiration from that? The, that project was more so uh, for me, like an introductory project to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of told a story from the beginning. The first song is Zaire. So it talks about where I was born, how we got here. And then the last song is um, just talking about personal experiences of my daughter and where I am. Because, you know, that brings me to an adult. I, you know, I, I break things down like that yeah. on that record. But then in between, there's records where it shows the Philly side of me. Then there's a song called Sweet California where I that's where I moved to and got that a California experience. And it, you know, urged me to write records like that and work with some tremendous people out there. So it was an introductory project for me just to get to the next, now be able to get to the next project um, from there. Speaking of your daughter, how do you encourage her to remain authentic in the current climate of the world? Especially what's happening in this country right now and what happened over the summer. Right. Um, it's, it's not easy. And I think for her, it's the beauty in having both of her parents involved in letting her know that she's strong and she's beautiful and she can still conquer the, anything she needs to be able to conquer, no matter what's going on out there. And then I, there's, it's tricky because some parents want to shield their kids from a lot of what's going on out in this world. And, uh, for me, I, I don't, I it's good for them to see it because it's their generation that's going to make the true changes that we all want to see. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be them. That's going to be able to say like, Hey, I saw this happen. And um, I remember when we marched down in Atlanta together at a, at a black lives matter protest, it was for her to see that and to see that people still have fight for what they believe in, in yeah. some sense in it. And there's, there's courage in that. Um, so I think I think with her being able to see the real world and then having parents to instill strength in them and love, I think it, it keeps them authentic in that sense. Yeah. So it, it, it goes back to like just parenting, honestly. I can't imagine what that's like. What was her what was her reaction to all of that? 
she was uh she was scared of of course and then it was um because how do you respond to kids when you it's all over the news everywhere they turn and and then they're like well these police are supposed to protect us and how are you supposed to feel now if if they come around you know because it can create anxiety too which is why i, I don't I don't like the the narrative that's being pushed out there so much because now you also build on people's fear and creating because it's now you're tapping into emotions. Right. But um, she's a strong, she's a strong one. She wanted, she asked, can I go out there and see them pro? Because we drove by and we saw people marching and she was amazed. It was the first time seeing that. And she saw a group of people marching and, and protesting peacefully. Mm-hmm. And she, she wanted to, she wanted to, to be a part of it. And I gave her that experience, something she can remember, you know, growing up. How old is she now? Oh, she'll be 10 in like 12 days. What? Yeah, they grow so much. And she got so much taller. So much taller. <laughs> 10 is a fantastic age. Oh, man, yeah. It's before, be- like, all of the crazy stuff happens, but you're still capable of talking and communicating to adults. Right, right. And she's very smart, so. Yeah, so, th- so the single that you put out, Kill a Man? Mm-hmm. Was that in response to everything that was happening? Yes, that was that was in response to everything that was happening with uh, Rihanna Taylor. And it was good to get also get a female artist on there. Il Camille, she went in there and spoke with from a female's point of view. Yeah. Um, and it, it was just it was it was something we felt at the time. The producer came and just called me and was like, "Hey, uh, Dev." Hey, you know, he had this beat and this idea, and we went in there and we were literally just watching what was happening. Was like, hey, I think you know, let's let's break this down. Yeah, preserve it. That's the beauty of music, though, man. And just being able to express yourself in that way, and other people just can just connect with. And your music that you're working on now, what are you hoping to accomplish with it? Well, I I am looking to make this more of an international project. So it, it's going back to tapping into our culture. There will be, you know, a few acts that I'm working with and sounds that are, are from the other side. And at the same time, it's it's a, it's I want it to be a feel-good project. So we've been through a whole lot of craziness this past year. Mm-hmm. So I just would like to like change the change the tone, change the mood of everything, you know. So who are you working with? Do you have like a producer that you're working with? Team team that understands your voice? Yeah, the 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 team that we're setting up in the in Atlanta that we actually have set up. It's a solid producers on there that I probably can't name right now and and <laughs> <laughs> some 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 other writers that I'm gonna I'm actually interested in working with where I think just the the resources are all there to make this a bigger project than the last project and kind of a bigger campaign around it. Nice. Okay. So speaking of campaigns, there's a question that I usually ask to wrap up the conversation. And Mm -hmm. the question is, if your inner voice had a billboard, what would it say to the world? (laughs) What would it say to the world? Okay. It, it It would honestly say to live free. And and it would in two words live free, and it would also it would also oh, I want to say so much, but live free. I would live. With, I would can, stick with you that. You can you can say as much as you want. You can expand. It's, <laughs> it's <totally okay. laughs> no, to, to to live free, and the today has become the day to be who you are. Mm-hmm. I think most people are are either afraid or don't know who they are yet 
But I think that time, once you are able to, to, to do that, you finally live free. And it's not just in the sense of a physical sense of living free. I mean, mentally and spiritually walking around living free in that sense. And um, whether it's meditation, relaxation, or whatever it is you need to do to tap into that inner voice, once you tap into that inner voice, you'll be able to understand what it's like to actually live free without everything else that our eyes can see. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, our, our minds are, are such like prisons in so many ways until we learn to break out of them. Right, right, right. You but some, so many people don't even realize that they're in the prison. So no, yeah, you can't you can't you can't free someone that, that don't even know they're in shackles. So, yeah, I do think that is like a big thing for it. something I'm learning myself now, you know, the art of taking yourself out of yourself when somebody asks me like hey who's who's your a friend of my friend a friend of your friend and an enemy of your enemy and who and at the same time they're also your friend and your enemy and i'm like oh and they're like yourself only you know your weaknesses and we know your strengths you know sometimes we trick ourselves into believing we what it's it's us right it's us the real fight is within us and once we realize that everything else around us is just everything else is really just a distraction yeah. Who would you say your biggest musical influences are? Um, it goes from, I used to say I live in the 70s in my head. So like Fela Kuti, Jimmy, Jimi Hendrix, Bob Marley, uh, James Brown. Yeah, you had a, a, a fun thing happen with that, right? Yeah, that, that was something I've always wanted to do. And we, we were able to do a, a remix off of Papa Don't Take No Mess. We shot the video. That was my first video in L.A. And um, we shot that. And, and Rocky uh, did that one? family got back. So yeah. yeah, Rocky did that one. Yep. Cool. I yeah. need to get her on here, too. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Her and uh, Gimsey. They're, yeah. they're good. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do a duo. <laughs> yeah, they'll be good. <laughs> power couple. Very power couple. Um, and very two great ball of creative spirits so it, it'd be good to have them on so i what happened with your with that video i knew that you were like meeting with like james brown's family or something yeah the the family uh the grandson of the family was got back to me we connected and he was filling the record he has he's actually a dj so he played it a few times and just kind of got blessings from the family for that song from the james brown family and it was oh. it was uh it was a good thing to be able to make that happen. That's some validation right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good. The last thing you want is the family to say, hey, we hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> True. So if people would like to find your work, where can they find you on the internet? Um, You can find me at hellokajad.com. That's K-A-J-A-D. Hellokajad.com. But um. Kajad TV on YouTube. You can, um, at Instagram, it's at Hello Kajad, Twitter at Hello Kajad. Everything is there on one on one link. Uh, you can find my music on Spotify, iTunes, Tidal, Amazon, Google Play. I'm, I'm everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. And new music will be coming out soon. I know a lot of people have been inquiring. Uh, and and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun filled out. So I'm yeah. I'm really excited. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Hey, you gotta invite me back on here when we when we release the first single. Totally. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna add all of the links into the show notes too, so people can just click on it pretty easily. 
awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this conversation. Oh, thank you. I wish we could go even longer. I miss those talks we would have. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me this week. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it but don't know about it yet. And also, if you'd like to contact me or reach me, you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast.com at gmail.com or Unconditioning Podcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay tuned in to you.